Welcome back to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and the data they use to make decisions. I'm Andrew Cox, your host for the show and senior retail analyst here at FreightWaves. This is episode 19 of Point of Sale. We didn't have a show last week, so excited to be back this week with Dima Adada. She is the co-founder, she is the founder and CEO at GetSet, which is a warehouse orchestration software platform. She's going to tell us all about it. We're going to discuss what the average warehouse looks like in America, what the challenges are right now facing major labor shortages, as are many industries across the country, uh, but definitely in warehousing, difficult to source labor right now. Space is extremely tight. The U.S. vacancy rate for industrial real estate is at 4.5%. According to Cushman Wakefield, that is the lowest, I think, on record. So it is very tight right now. They're building a lot, uh, but not quite keeping up with the demand, with e-commerce growth and the, the growth of consumer goods demand over the past year. Let me take a moment to thank my sponsor before I bring in Ms. Adada. ArcBest is more than logistics. Whatever you do, whatever you ship, ArcBest makes it easier for you to do business. ArcBest combines reliable capacity, innovative technology, and trusted relationships to take the complexity out of your supply chain and keep your shipments moving. That's what makes ArcBest more than logistics. Dima, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here as well. This is your Freightways TV debut, so it is customary that we give a little background on yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what led you to start GetSet. Sure. Um, I've spent my career working with shippers and providing them um, transportation solutions, um, always working for tech-forward companies focused on innovation and automation. It's really where my passion stemmed from is um, having an opportunity to start early stage with these companies and be a part of building that tech. So um, really followed this industry closely over the last you know, 10 years and all the innovation and new technology that's come about. And um, that's what really got me excited about the space you know, Gets that plays in today, which is focused um, on one area in particular that I haven't seen quite as much innovation, and that's the coordination and handoff between transportation and the warehouse. Um, specifically like the driver and the forklift driver. Um, and that's, that's really where GetSet came about. And we're focused on creating a collaborative and centralized environment between transportation and warehousing and breaking down the existing silos that exist today um, between planning and actual execution. And really uh, the handoff um, that occurs there and being able to have some foresight to some of the uh, disruptions that occur in that that small window, the 24-hour window that we see most of those disruptions. Dima, as you said, you spent uh, quite a bit of some time prior to starting Get Set at very tech-forward focused logistics companies. What did you learn there that have helped influence your work at Get Set? Was there stories that you can think of or, or things that were just, you know, that like popped in your mind, like this needs to be fixed and that kind of led yeah. you to start this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one particular problem which led to Get Set is really the... Um, on-time performance that that we were always held to a high KPI of meeting appointment times within you know sometimes five minutes to twenty five minutes of on-time arrival, and part of the challenge that we've always had there is that it's a very very manual process to secure appointments. It's time consuming, um, and then it's very rigid. So even though we may be able to select appointments online, the process in which an appointment selected and if there are any disruptions that occur, changes that are are um, needed. The time that it takes to resolve those problems is 
very time consuming and costly. And oftentimes you have to go, you know, up the food chain before you actually get an answer to how to resolve that, that, um, instance. So this is an area that no matter how much planning and foresight you have to, do I have a truck available? Um, I expect that manufacturing and production is going to have products ready for me. Do these two match up and, and come together as planned? Um, oftentimes there are these things that you can't account for, um, just on time performance of a truck in particular. How do we solve for that? Um, and really offer, you know, better visibility and foresight to, to manage those, those instances more quickly. Adima, talk to me about uh, some differentiating things, some things that, that set, get set apart from, that's kind of a, kind of a mouthful, that set gets set apart from uh, <laughs> some of the other kind of, uh, some of the players here that are trying to provide software into warehouses. Yeah, we are really focused on building a platform that is not just for the four walls of the warehouse, but really bring together transportation and distribution and understanding what it takes for carriers to schedule, what type of flexibility, what type of information do they need to be more accurate with their appointments so that we are arriving on time, um, that the workforce that is on the, the warehouse floor, the forklift drivers are continuously moving, have an idea of what comes next and aren't constantly putting out fires. So Traditionally, what exists today are built for inside the four walls, focused on when a truck arrives, what do we do at that point? Um, we are looking at what happens in that, that execution period from prior to the truck arriving and, and getting that freight ready to get on the truck or unloading a, a shipment. So we're, we're really trying to bring these more as a collaborative um, product, working closely with carriers as well as the warehouse to to break down that that point of friction. Even I mean, the first time we spoke, you, uh, you you mentioned a statement that kind of, it, it made a lot of sense to me, but I never really thought about it. And it is within the four walls of the warehouse, but it's, it's there is a last mile within the warehouse. And it's something, I think this is really what you and your team are focused on, is that that final piece of the warehouse. Just talk to me about like what that means exactly, the last mile of the warehouse. How many, you know, what are some of these things that need to be in place and the things that you guys you know, some of the operating procedures and the, the things that are necessary to make sure that last mile runs uh, seamlessly? Yeah, so we do focus on the last mile. There's, there's quite a bit of innovation in the warehouse today, automation, robotics, um, pick and pack. All of this is, is amazing technology. Uh, but really, the, the last piece of actually bringing the product to the dock and loading the truck is very dependent on not just a forklift driver, but actually having a driver arrive for that product or to bring in product to stage it for the next shipment, break it down, et cetera. So this last piece is actually quite interesting. The more that we've spent time within the warehouse learning more about the different dynamics of the inventory they're managing, not all shipments are created equal, not all forklift drivers or forklifts are created equal. Um, there are a lot of variables that occur in that last piece in that handoff that currently is very manual in the way that it's managed. There are oftentimes on different systems or even not even measured at all. Um, not allowing them for to drive foresight or data around how that that final mile is managed today. Um, that's part of what we're we're focused on as well is is bringing in the data points and measuring that that last mile that's currently the most manual at the warehouse level. Damon, you mentioned uh, some of the technologies to pick and pack, the robotics, the you know automated forklifts. There are dozens of very cool innovations going into warehouses right now, but I. 
we were talking earlier that maybe the average warehouse, there might be a little bit of a misconception of what the average American warehouse looks like today. I think whether it is because of Amazon or, or because of the robotics companies that seemingly are spacking and going public every week, it just seems that <laughs> we would think that they, the average warehouse is full of robotics and it's highly automated. Is that the case? What does the average warehouse look like? It's actually very, very expensive to implement the robotics and the technology into warehouses. It is not a standard practice to have that level of automation within a warehouse. Oftentimes, we see warehouses that may not even have a WMS. Um, if they do, that's the only piece of technology that's currently operated within the, the warehouse. Um, they schedule appointments via Excel sheets. Things are managed via email. Um, we do see scanners and things of that nature to start measuring like has a pallet been picked and, and seeing that type of information. But even when you look at WMSs today and the warehouses that we work with, the, the um, understanding of actual inventory on hand versus what's planned to be on hand oftentimes is different. And they scrub that you know once a week, once a month. So what you may believe is on the floor is not or is not easy to locate just by the nature of how their warehouses are set up. It's quite chaotic. Um, and and very manual today. Dima, how does um, how does GetSet fit in with the other you know, like warehouse technologies, the other softwares that uh, some of these warehouses would have? One that does have a WMS. Can GetSet replace that WMS, or is it kind of a bolt-on to to help work better? How how does that work out? We're a complement to the WMS, um, the LMS labor management solution as well. We are not truly measuring inventory to the level of a WMS, but what we are managing is the visibility to when product is arriving and departing, even as an extension of the warehouse, being able to have the visibility of when product is going to be coming in um, tied to shipment going out. So we're, we're very shipment focused rather than um, SKU level data that a WMS would offer. We are just providing what's, what's the flow of product in and out once it's arrived or departed the warehouse. Dima, can you talk to me about, um, can you talk to me about building standard operating procedures for some of these warehouses that may not have them? Like they... You know, you were just saying that they scrub it once a week or once a month, maybe, and they don't know that they don't have more inventory that, more inventory than they need, or they have more than they need, and they don't have a standard procedure for what should happen next. Can you talk to me about what some of those steps are and how GetSet can help uh, build those kind of into the standard operating procedure? Yeah, so we're very focused on driving into the workflow from a time an order is created or requested to when the driver comes in to book an appointment and what the process is thereafter to identify the variables that take place in that last period between planning and execution. So we look at how far in advance are you looking at the inventory level tied to an order shipment? Do we uh, make a decision at what stage to ship, hold, or source from another location? Um, we're also looking at the average duration it takes to load or unload particular products based off of the, the nature of that product. Do we stagger those types of appointments? Um, do, we, do we look at how different forklift drivers are performing during certain times of the day, as well as the flow of when transportation is arriving at the warehouse? Do we see a big influx during particular hours? Are we staffed accordingly? Um, really looking at how they operate on a day-to-day -day and what pieces could we leverage the data points to, to improve that workflow for them. Let's uh, let's stay on data uh, for a moment, Dima. Talk to me about the current KPIs that warehouses you know go by. Um, what are the things that they try to measure right now, and 
what needs to be measured? What are the things that, um, you know, the best KPIs that maybe they're not able to measure right now, but GetSet can help measure? So a lot of KPIs that they focus on are pallets processed per hour, um, on-time performance that they're held to for customers and vendors, as well as OS&D, overages, shortages, and damages. Um, one area in particular that they are not focused on or have not been able to gather data is actually compliance across the network. So when we talk about compliance, we're looking at carrier compliance is one common. Are you in and out on time? Um, the other piece is actually supplier compliance and performance as well as vendors. So to really understand who they're working with, can they start identifying potential disruptions before they occur based off of the previous behaviors that have been happening um, across the network? So they typically have not carried direct relationships with transportation providers in the past. This usually is dictated through transportation management teams that are separate from the warehouse or from customers who are coordinating transportation on behalf of, of that location. So what we're, we're able to provide from a KPI perspective is that visibility and measuring the performance of those touch points that are um, flowing through the warehouse outside of their own internal workforce. And Dima, is there a is there a specific kind of vertical that uh, that this that gets set is best suited for? Is it for for a manufacturer, or is it really just kind of any warehouse uh, can be this can be useful for? We look at just in time freight um, in particular, where that handoff is actually very critical. Uh, whether it goes is tied to production, if it's tied to food and beverage, where we've got time um, quality assurance associated with the product that we're shipping. The, the type of business that is quickly uh, moving. We work also heavily with 3PLs who are managing multiple customer profiles, um, requirements that, are, that differ across those profiles. That's been an area that's been uh, very interesting where there are multiple WMSs that they operate on just in one warehouse that are dictated by customers. Um, but we've seen a, a big variety but just in time is really, a, a, I think, where the biggest value add is um, in this instance. Are your uh, are customers that you're working with or clients you're working with, are, are, have any of them kind of talked to you about mo- moving towards more of a just-in-case that was kind of the big uh, argument in the middle of last year was, oh, we're out of everything. Yeah. And now we're going to go towards just-in-case rather than just-in-time. Are, are those conversations happening? Yeah, they, they are. They are. Um, and you mentioned this before, right? This 4.5% vacancy they're seeing a huge, um, there's a lot of pressure to increase the amount of inventory on hand at their locations, as well as the pressure of growing customer demand um, for e-commerce, et cetera. So, so warehouses, distribution centers in particular, are um, busting at the seams and really looking for a way. How do we manage inventory at, at the most efficient level that we can support the, the demand of our customers and the additional inventory they want to carry on hand? So... We are definitely seeing that shift in, in this space in particular. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that 4.5% again. I read just this morning that uh, the city of Toronto and its surrounding areas, I think they have the lowest in North America, maybe in the entire world. Their industrial real estate vacancy rate right now is at 0.5%. They literally are wow. completely to the max. I think that the Southeast region is um, one of the one of the loosest, and it's at 5.4%. So it's just, it's crazy. I read that... Um, I can't remember who put this projection out. It might have been the Cushman and Wakefield report, but they came out and said that in Q2, there's 467 million square foot of new warehouse space being built, but a third of it, I think 37% of it, is being built to suit. It's going to be gobbled up off the market before uh, it even really hits the market. Yeah, and heavily by uh, the larger retailers that are buying 
larger spaces. And we're seeing the smaller suppliers and warehouses convert to the 3PL space because they're too small to be able to actually get that space fast enough. They don't have enough buying power. So you're seeing a shift in in how this is being managed. Do you think that's a a lasting shift? I think possibly, especially for the smaller warehouses or suppliers, just by the nature of the way the business is going. I mean, buying power and just um, ability to process product faster for them from a cost perspective will probably be better suited for the 3PL space. Well, it probably makes sense. I was thinking back to your point about you know how expensive it is to implement some of these robotics. Uh, it, you know, is it is it better for these smaller guys if they could leverage a um, a, a Kinco, a DHL, an XBO that has you know some of the some automation into their warehouses? You know, w- would that be your recommendation to them to to go after one of the big 3PLs? I think it depends on the nature of the business and how their freight flows. I, I I'm not close enough to that to be able to understood speak with conviction. Yeah, I gotcha. No problem. I appreciate that. Let's talk about some of the challenges, right? Definitely one of the challenges is space right now. They're building a lot of it, but just not building it quick enough. It, it reminds me of just inventory levels at retailers right now or you know, transportation capacity right now. It's all growing. It's just not growing anywhere near fast enough. So talk to me about some of the other challenges uh, right now in the, in, in the warehouse space. So labor is actually a very large challenge. Um, Gen Z is just not is excited or inclined to join the workforce. So they'd be the next generation that would be coming uh, through from an employment perspective. So we have less joining the workforce in the warehousing space. And those that are in the warehousing space, um, what what's happened with e-commerce, it actually takes like four to one, four labor resources to one compared to full truckload. So it's very labor intensive. So we've got this spiking industry where you need more labor in addition to general growth. So we're, we're seeing huge exponential demand and not enough growth from the number of people who actually want to, one, rejoin the workforce, but two, already in a, in a workforce that has been struggling pre-pandemic to, to recruit and bring people in. One of the, the frustrations that we do see in the, the turnover rate on that side is the lack of training and, and technology to support those hires that do come in. So they're coming into these warehouses that are already spread very thin. Um, they're constantly playing catch up and putting out fires. So it becomes very frustrating for these labor resources that are coming in and, and they go look for, for different opportunities. So we're, we're seeing a struggle to recruit into the labor force and those that are in the labor force are oftentimes looking for better opportunities. It's probably uh, a very obvious answer, but I just can't think of it at the top of my mind. Why, uh, why would an e-commerce supply chain need uh, four times as much labor than you know, a, a traditional brick and mortar or truckload? So a truckload can typically be one or two SKUs, fewer products, fewer products that need to be broken down. When you're talking about e-commerce, it could be one truckload that comes in and hundreds of packages that go out associated with that truckload. So the, the nature of breaking down the products, individualizing them and making and setting them up for, for distribution from there, um, it requires quite a bit of touch points. I see. What, much, much longer yeah. tail uh, of products. So talk yeah. to me, uh, I think the tech and training part is, is, a, is, a more, is a very important point that I'd like to expand on a little bit. How, what can we do uh, from a warehouse industry? What can warehouse operators do to provide better technology or provide better training, make the warehouse safer, make it you know, just a more attractive job, not only to Gen Z, but to everyone? What can we do to make the warehouse job more attractive? Uh, so, you know, I mentioned I follow quite a bit of technology um, emerging. So obviously WMSs are now becoming more common in the warehousing space, being able to identify where your inventory is in an organized fashion. 
Um, another piece that's trending is really having wearables or iPads that are tied to the forklift, your watch that tells you go down this aisle. It's very clear. It just takes the guesswork or, or the thought process of something that's so repetitive. Um, we've got, you know, new technology around the forklifts that you just type in the, the information and it takes you there. Uh, obviously, you know, something like what we're doing is, is focused on what's the next step? What's your next point of execution? So what's the next order that you need to go pick and pack? Um, based off of who's the next arrival to show up at the warehouse. Anything that can take the process of locating products, um, removing the process of figuring out what to do when there is a disruption, what are your options, who needs to approve it, and just being given the next task and keep them focused on you know, execution versus problem solving constantly, that, that's a big deal uh, when you look at the warehousing space because it is constantly putting out fires left and right. Uh, Dima, you told me in our, our previous call that the average warehouse and just warehousing operations, it's not about automation, it's about execution. And you kind of just mentioned it there. Talk to me, uh, tell me a little bit about just maybe some of the low hanging fruit that is the, the, the average warehouse has uh, things that, you know, that, that aren't that difficult to solve, but maybe they've just never known it was a problem. I think that the, the uh, just identifying, you know, talking about safety and some of the technology there, right? Just the ability to quickly locate or send your forklift to particular areas within the warehouse, being able to pick and pack um, efficiently. Even there, there's there's technology to help source. If you're taking a pallet here, you're returning a pallet to its location, but you need to bring another pallet to the dock, having technology that'll just tell you on your way back, grab this, so right. you're not going back and forth, empty one route, right? Empty miles. That applies to the warehouse, not just to trucking. Um, things that just could become more efficient with the, the time that your your team's spending on the ground. Uh, hey, Dima, so there's um, lots of armchair economists on Twitter and on social media these days talking about how we don't have a labor shortage or we don't have a problem uh, in any industry. It's just a wage shortage. And this is something that I had seen uh, across warehouses, you know, the, the way that they are built. They typically build many of them in a, you know, in a, in a, in a complex uh, and one company can lure the other one for another dollar an hour or $2 an hour. So it, it, do we have a, a labor shortage problem or do we have a wage shortage problem in warehouses? And you know, what, what do you make of, of just the, the, the low barriers to entry and the ability to just jump from warehouse, one warehouse to the next? Do you, do you see that as a major problem? Um, I think it's an interesting point. Amazon in particular offers quite a significant pay increase currently to bring and lure this labor force into into their warehouses, uh, much more attractive, but not necessarily affordable for the average warehouse to be able to increase wages by such a significant amount. Um, they don't have the robotics to offset the number of labor resources that they need at these locations. So it's like you need more heads, can't pay as much because you don't have the, the automation that somebody like Amazon has. So they not only have the automation and the technology to support their labor force, but they're, they're definitely... Um, luring them in with with higher compensation. So could it be solved with increasing wages? Probably, but it wouldn't. It would then not be in the best interest for those warehouses from a profitability standpoint. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because you look at how Amazon. I mean, they've put in a hundred million square foot of square warehouse space in the past eighteen months. I mean, they're growing like weeds, and they don't yeah. seem to have that much problem hiring people. They just continually adding fifty thousand people every two weeks. It seems. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, they're a beast, right? They have the <laughs> leverage to do it. Um, and it 
could be attractive to go work for an Amazon. It's very different culture, I think, even on the, the from a labor force perspective. But it is it is definitely they've they've been able to get to where they are from a labor perspective by leveraging those wages for sure. All right, Dima, this has been this has been a lot of fun, and I have learned a lot. Um, let's let's finish up. I usually like to ask people, and I just ask them to shed some light. So, is there one thing that's going on in your world, your corner of the supply chain, that is not getting enough attention that you would like to shed some light on? You can take a moment to think if you need. I know I'm putting you on the spot. A bit. <laughs> um, you know, I think that for for my corner of the supply chain, you know, we look at the value of our um, truck drivers' times and, and the warehouse labor force and how do we improve the, the communication and that um, point of friction there. We're really trying to improve the experience drivers have so that they're, they're able to get in and out of these locations and make, make a living, right? You get stuck at locations, you lose potentially a day or more in drive time, which then results in, you know, risk constrained capacity from the facility side. So our, our, our goal is to improve that process, which would then, you know, increase the, the movement of freight and, and reduce the, the footprint of carbon emissions that are wasted sitting at facilities, missing right. appointments, and there, there forward. So that's, that's really our focus. Yeah, on, uh, on, GitSet, on your website, it says, the most critical juncture in the entire supply chain is the dock door. And it, you, I think you're right because there's so many cascading effects throughout the supply chain. If that dock door, if that, that, you know, what, what should take 20 or 30 minutes is not, doesn't take 20 or 30 minutes, right? If it takes hours, if it takes there and takes too long. Dima, thanks so much for, for joining me today. Where should we send anybody in the audience that wants to learn more about GetSet? Yeah, they can check us out at getset.io. Um, we're also going to be at the supply chain retail event in Las Vegas in September. So if you're there, definitely pop by and check us out. That's exciting. Dima, thanks so much for joining me again. Thank you. All right, everyone, that has been it for episode 19 of the Point of Sale Show, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and the data they use to make decisions. If you're listening live, thanks so much for joining us on Freightways TV or, uh, or on LinkedIn. You can find us on demand anytime at tv.freightwaves.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts, either Apple Music or Spotify. Also, subscribe to the Point of Sale newsletter that comes out on Mondays and Thursdays. That is where I dive a little bit deeper into some of these topics. You can sign up for that at FreightWaves.com POS. You can also find everything that FreightWaves puts out uh, in audio format if you just subscribe to FreightCast. You can find that on Apple or Spotify. Next week, we are back with a really big show. It is going to be very fun. I have been tracking down Wayfair for months. We are finally going to have John Esborn, the, uh, the director and head of global expansion strategy for supply chain services. Next week, same time, 2.30 Eastern on Wednesday. See you then.